Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, CEO at HW Media and your host for the Housing News Podcast at Housing Wire. And here on the Housing News Podcast, we seek to explore all things housing from home sales, financing, technology, and construction. With 2023 being a year where the key theme has been lack of inventory and very supply constrained markets in much in many parts of our country, we've been exploring some alternative models to home construction on the Housing News Podcast. Today's guest is the co-founder and co-CEO of Arrow Homes, Mr. Carl Gish. In this conversation with Carl, we have the opportunity to explore the interplay between sustainable housing and today's housing crisis. We also talk about how Arrow seeks to bring sustainable design-driven homes to market that will save more than 11 tons of CO2 annually per home. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Carl Gish, co-CEO and co-founder of Arrow Homes. All right, Carl, welcome to Housing News. Thrilled to have you as a guest today. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to be here. So, Carl, Arrow Homes really started making headlines, or at least in in uh, my my arena, about a, almost a year ago when you launched a or announced a twenty one million dollars Series A focused on building design driven homes and more sustainable homes. I'm excited to hear, like even before the Series A, though. Can we go back to kind of the founding story, the the mission, the vision, what you were trying to achieve at Arrow? Yeah, that's a great question. We we started the journey uh, almost, well, I guess it's about two and a half years ago. And the journey was really about looking at different businesses where there were still what we considered really big opportunities, big industries where there was just still massive opportunity for change or disruption. and our investors, Eric Schmidt's venture capital firm, uh, Innovation Endeavors, that's what they tend to look at is, is trying to find businesses, business opportunities in areas where there's a potential for, for creating truly substantial change. And single family housing in the United States is arguably the biggest market there is. There's 86 million homes. It's something like $36 trillion in, in in value as an asset class. And there's about 6 million homes bought and sold a year, as, as you and your audience are, are very familiar with, I'm sure. And if you stop and look at it objectively, it's, it's, a, it's an industry, single family homes I'm talking about, less commercial, that really hasn't had much see much innovation or change or adoption of technology for, for decades. Single family homes are built the same way today as they were decades ago. And we just thought there was a, a, a real opportunity to bring sort of multifunctional, multidisciplinary approach, mainly around product, treating a home like a product uh, to, to this industry. And that's what my background is in. And, and uh, my co-founder, Simon Bogue, uh, he came from the automotive industry and sort of building really well-designed, thoughtfully produced products to market is sort of what we spent a lot of our careers doing. And in a naive kind of way, we said, hey, wait a minute, there's this massive opportunity that's housing and and can we, can we apply it here? And so we spent uh, the better part of a year just talking to people, doing research, talking to the experts. Trying to understand why nobody had 
sort of tackled it uh, in the way that we were thinking about before. And we learned a lot along the way. And that's sort of the, the, the origin story for how we, how we got to uh, got to where we, we ended up uh, seeking investment funds from innovation endeavors and others. I definitely um, can associate and see the attraction to building in the housing industry. It's what we're trying to do here at HW media, building at the intersection of, of media and data, the, the size, the scale, and probably most importantly, the impact of what housing has on our national economy here in the U.S. is just phenomenal and really un- unrivaled when you look at the ability to to impact a lot of people in a really p- large part of our economy. So see the attraction and also see the attraction from the capital side of why Eric Schmidt's uh, venture firm would be attracted to supporting this endeavor. I'm interested in going a little deeper on, on your background, Carl, as well as the background of your co-founder. So I was like kind of looking you up in advance of the conversation and saw the kind of deep history with innovators and technology and, and in fintech from, um, Vero money and plenty of firm eBay. And so it sounds like you're coming in with a very strong tech and financial services background with a complementary background from your co-founder. I'd love to kind of hear about how the two of you came together and uh, your vision for how you tackle this um, very challenging problem together. Yeah, you bet. So S- Simon, my co-founder, he spent his career in, in mostly in automotive, but also in early stage companies, technology driven companies. And we both had been advisors for Eric Schmidt's venture capital firm for several years, uh, working with companies in the portfolio. I ended up working in uh, full-time in some of those, as well as advising uh, them. And the the idea sort of incubated within this network of innovation endeavors, advisors, executives, one of the general partners. And we were both intrigued by it because we both coming from different perspectives, Simon, much more from manufacturing and operations perspective, myself more from a customer facing product general management perspective. Um, really sort of as the more and more we dug into it, the more we said, wow, this is just, there, there, there's something here and why hasn't anybody done this? And that's something here. One of the things we learned, uh, which I wasn't aware of, even though I, I think of myself as relatively aware of, of environmental impacts and the like is that 23% of global carbon emissions, global greenhouse carbon emissions come from residential housing. That isn't commercial. That That's just residential housing. And you can be certain that in the U.S. with the size of our homes per capita and uh, our environment, that we're we're probably uh, on the higher end of that that sort of um, environmental impact per home. And so, just just looking at all the productivity that that NAHB talks about, something like thirty to forty percent of single-family uh, residential construction materials being wasted, and that's all the stuff in the dumpsters outside of a single-family construction site, right? Because Every home is a one-off. They talk about that in the industry, something which I hadn't heard that term before, but that every home is a prototype. Um, And it coming from both Simon and I, coming from industries where you start with a prototype and then you continuously evolve and develop it and and continuous improvement and build in lean manufacturing and other disciplines to drive efficiency and product improvement and the rest to go to market. It was sort of like, uh, a bit of a mind-blowing uh, uh, perception of what's what's really the, the experience or the, the state of the state of single-family housing construction. 
Um, and that, that really was what led to just continue just digging and, and understanding and learning. And it sounds like it's where Simon's background in automotive may, may come in very, very handy on uh, lean manufacturing techniques where there's not 30 or 40% of hard materials wasted at the end of the day. Exactly. And, and we're already seeing that. And it's not about automation, by the way. Uh, that there may be a, a piece of one of the things we, we looked at was companies that had both been successful in this space, whether it's commercial or residential. Um, or not, and what were the things that led them to, to be successful or not? And automation, if anything, and I'm, I'm probably going out on a limb here, but I'd say it was inversely correlated to success. A lot of companies have come into the construction space, famously Katera, and spent a lot of money with the idea that we can solve this with automation without fully understanding the processes first. And that's something we're very focused on, which is it starts with just having a consistent process, understanding the process, taking waste out of that process, which is what lean manufacturing principles are are fundamentally about. And then if it makes sense, you can apply uh, automation or or other things. So yeah, it's, uh, it's Simon's, uh, you know, here's, here's somebody who, who managed, automotive plants that are pumping out hundreds of thousands of cars a year. Uh, and we were all very aligned. It's like, let's not introduce any automation because we don't know what automation to do yet. And so if I'm get if I'm understanding the aero model correctly, you were doing the, the design of these more sustainable prototypes, but also manufacturing product, correct? Yeah. We're, we're essentially an end to end builder developer. We buy properties, end of life homes, the, the average home in the U.S. is 40 years old. Something like 20 uh, million of them are over 60 years old. And in, in places that have had populations for the longest, those, those homes are old, inefficient, not designed the way for how people live today, etc. And the, the, um, the basically going in and buying up these old homes, putting a new home in as quickly and efficiently as possible, but not just any new home, a home that's carbon negative. So it's actually generating more energy than it uses. And it has an incredibly efficient sort of footprint, if you will, in terms of the envelope, in terms of energy usage, et cetera. And because of our approach, we have a line of sight to being able to do that in 90 to 120 days. So we'll take an end-of-life home, close on it, and have a new home with a certificate of occupancy in 90 to 120 days. Today, that process takes 18 months. So where are you finding – do you have a geographic focus or a market-type focus? I'm kind of not entirely sure if we're talking infill or suburban. Like, Where where are you finding success? We're starting with infill. We think that's where there's the biggest opportunity. Um, Most new new home – build as, as you're aware is greenfield and, and it's well served by the by the the multi-billion dollar companies that are already in that space the lenars and pulties and kb homes and, and the rest of them and there isn't anybody at any scale doing this for infill and that's where we're focused and so since we're taking a, a prototype model and and not um doing a, a 
semi custom home in each scenario. Do you need a certain amount of, of projects in a, in a neighborhood or a city to, to take on or launch a development wave? Or like, how do you manage concentration versus like kind of complete one off, um, buy, demolish, build? Yeah. So we, we have a, a sort of regional manufacturing class construction philosophy. So we have an asset light manufacturing construction plant based in Sacramento, and that's going to serve the Bay area. It's our first plant. It's, it's where we're, you know, we're setting up shop and learning. And so we're focused right now on the Bay area and we don't want to be transporting these volumetric homes, you know, hundreds of miles right now. Sacramento is about a hundred miles from, from the Bay area, which is very, very manageable. And each, each plant will be able to handle between 75 and 100 homes, the current configuration. Uh, and so as we scale, we'll continue to buy more properties in more geographies and start to expand the footprint or the, the product roadmap in terms of the, the variations in the home, the, the jurisdictions we can go into, et cetera. That's, so in what's been the process for identifying um, kind of end of life properties? Are you working through through auction sites or wholesalers? And then love to hear the other side of that too. Once you've acquired an asset, improved it, how are you selling? Yeah. So, so uh, we have developed some proprietary tech that allows us to ingest all the data that we can, all the publicly available data, whether that's tax records, MLS data, um, survey data, et cetera. And what we do is we build some algorithms to, to analyze that data to understand, Hey, that's how we developed the first prototype to say, Hey, what, what design, what envelope, what elevations would meet a large percent of the lots that we might want to build in? We might want to build in them for a bunch of reasons. One is the, the value, the age, the, age j characteristics the resale dynamics all, all those all those things and so we we actually have a set of, of locations that we know we would want to build on and then as those come on the market we are then ready and able and already have an assessment of oh okay yeah we can build here and this is how much we'd be willing to pay etc so we've we've actually built and are using data uh, in a pretty robust way so far and we'll continue to evolve that over time and the interesting thing is that the more data we get, like a lot of data models, the, the better our learning will become, the better the data will become, because we'll, we'll be able to then, just like we can do today, is we can go back and say, hey, well, this property that sold a year ago, if we bought that, what, could, what would it be worth today? Like We have so much data. There's so much data out there in this space that we can use it uh, and backtest our algorithms and, and, our, and our thinking which is really exciting. So at this stage, two and a half years into the founding of the company and less than 12 months in from the, the big series A, um, t- tell us about the progress. How many like properties have been acquired? What's, uh, what's in pipeline right now and what's made it all the way through to hopefully uh, a, an owner who's living and um, raising a family in that, in that home? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we're, we're focused on is, is building homes that families will, will, be thrilled to live in and, and excited about. Um, that's ultimately what our, our biggest single metric that we're going to be using as a company is net promoter score for the people who buy our homes. And so we actually got funding. It was about a year and a half ago now, uh, January of 2022. 
And we have already, we're close to finishing our first home. It's in Mountain View. We're already building our second while the first one is being finished. And we've purchased, uh, we're in the, we've already purchased one or two others that we're quickly going to be, um, uh, converting into, you know, starting the process. So the engine, we started this, uh, with the first home. We shipped the modules, uh, at the end of May, the volumetric pieces and built the foundation right before that. And so the first one will be ready, uh, at the end of August for sale. And the second one in October and the third one later this year and the fourth one. And that time frame is we're already seeing massive compression just because of the learning, right? Because we're doing essentially a very similar thing over and over again. Our, our subcontractors, our general contractors, our design teams, our procurement teams, they're all learning um, and, and accelerating already just on the second and third homes. So what it so what about the process of manufacturing these homes in the the factory that you've developed in the in the Bay Area makes them more sustainable. And I'd love to hear also a little bit more about like what's happening in factory and what happens on site and like and how, how that comes together in the construction process that's in process right now. Yeah, that's a great question. It's something that we get a lot of a lot of a lot of questions about. So first off, let's start with the product design. So we started off with a design that was an amazing house to live in. We, we've partnered with a, a world-renowned architect. We haven't announced who that is yet, but uh, we will be shortly. Will that be coming with the first listing? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact. Okay. So I'm sorry I can't share it with you. Can't give you the scoop right now, but uh, a fantastic architect partners. And we started, like I said, with a, with a, with a design that reflects how people want to live today it's it's your question about environmental impact. So we started with the goal of having a, a carbon negative home, a home that generates more energy than it uses, and not just doing that, right? Because you could just have a huge roof with lots of solar panels and generate energy. It, to be, we care about the the net impact, and so we're pretty choiceful about the materials that we use, how much material we use, the envelope of the house, the insulation of the house the ingress and egress of, of, of air, et cetera. Uh, and it is a fully electric home. So it's got an election, electric stove, electric heater, heat pumps, high velocity air handlers. Uh, it has solar uh, inverters, has battery walls. So it's, it's pretty much, you know, sort of uh, just leading edge, if you will, but again, all stuff that's commercially available, people use this stuff all the time. It's just that in a lot of homes, for whatever reason, um, builders and homeowners, unless you're doing a custom home, don't end up going that extra mile in terms of the design and the systems choices. And so once we had that design, then we said, okay, how could we build as much of this as possible off-site? Because that's where you get tons of efficiencies. I mean, having people work in a indoor manufacturing facility setting allows for, you know, working in inclement weather, um, much better measurements, much better QA controls, processes, et cetera. And hopefully you will walk through one of our homes. You would never know, or you look at it from the street, you'll never know that that was a built primarily offsite. And so what we do is we bring these, we build the foundation, we build, bring the modules in by truck, the sort of volumetric, they don't look like, container like modules and then they're craned onto the 
pad onto the foundation and they're stitched and finished on site. Interesting. Well, when you do the the grand opening open house, uh, if I can't make it personally, I'd love to have Mike Simonson, who's our president of Altos Research, um, who's based in the Bay Area, join for join to see this this property. It sounds like it's going to be a really interesting one. What are the the property characteristics that the consumer cares about? So, like, how, how big are we talking? Um, San Francisco has been a you know has been an expensive market. On a national scale, are we talking like luxury? Like, wh- how, how would you describe the property that you expect to come to market in October? Partly because it's the Bay Area, which is just a more expensive uh, market. And we also use data to decide what's the right uh, configuration, what's the right elevations, what's the right layout of the home. And so um, it's a 3, 000, almost 3,000 square foot home. It's got four bedrooms and an office, three bathrooms, big open living indoor outdoor space, lots of light. Uh, it's pre-wired or pre-configured to have water, gray water regulation in it, which is something very important in a lot of markets more and more these days to be able to conserve and reuse uh, gray water. Uh, can cut uh, water usage on a, on a property by half. It has a standing seam metal roof and has solar on the roof about seven kilowatts and we're using heat pumps uh, span panel for the uh, electrical uh, management we'll have tesla power walls uh, as well so it's it's as i said before it's it's a very um technology forward home but again none of this is bleeding edge technology it's all stuff commercially available uh, etc and again, with the architect we chose to, to partner with and chose to partner with us, they're, they're somebody who's super well known for their uh, attention to detail, but sight lines and the living environment, the feeling of the home, everything from, hey, what's the, what's the lighting? You know, now you can have diurnal uh, system, systems that'll adjust lighting based on uh, optimizing for humans diurnal patterns, you know, like we're all wired actually to, to react to, to light uh, subconsciously and being able to integrate that kind of thing into a home uh, in a way that's, a, if you will, accessible, because the, the more we do this, the less expensive uh, the homes will end up being and the more markets we can go into, we think is really exciting. Yeah. So from a there aren't many venture backed home builders out there. I know you're running a different, uh, a different model, but so like out, out the gate, like will, um, do unit economics work from the beginning or is there a certain like scale level that you have to model toward for like the, the, the business to like to prove itself from a, um, you know, like scalability perspective? Yeah. So the unit economics actually are really attractive in part because the, the, the process is so efficient because we're essentially building a very similar home over and over again, and we're doing it in a plant, there's a lot of synergies from doing that. So we expect by home three to five, the unit economics, economics will be positive on, on a unit economic basis. So at that point, and because we're not, we don't have massive capital infrastructure in our plant or in automation, we'll quickly get to cash flow positive. We're projecting to be able to do that within the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, so we think it's actually a very, very attractive business. We know it is from a, from a financial perspective. And there's some other aspects to our business that are also really interesting and attractive 
particularly to like the lending community. One of them is that our duration of our projects is very short, right? So instead of being 18 to 24 months from when we buy a property to when we sell it and redevelop it, which inherently has a bunch of risk, real estate cycles generally, they can change in 12 to 18 months. They're not going to change much in three months. So we're insulated by a lot of that variability. And we can actually, on the flip side, optimize for understanding what those trends as we start to scale uh, those those market trends are, whether that's to hold properties longer as they, you know, to go deep early as a market's going up or to the opposite when a market's in a downward trend. So that duration dynamic that we have in our business is very unusual in any real estate business, frankly, and, and particularly in single family infill. Yeah, it definitely helps your access to capital as a as a builder. Um, on the homeowner side, are there any special financing considerations that like the the eventual buyer needs to take into account um, as they're buying this um, you know factory built uh, home that sits on the on the luxury side, um, which is a really differentiated product? Yeah, and actually there there are uh, there's a bunch of advantages relative to uh, traditional new home build infill one is that the the quality and the uh build uh build quality and the rest of it are are, are going to be higher we're looking at things like extended warranties just like a car you know your warranty goes you can pass the warranty to the next buyer we're looking at being able to do that with our home which we think is a big advantage really interesting uh the second thing is the operating costs of the home are significantly less than you're not paying any utility bill basically you know some water but you also make money net on, on the on the electricity so utility bill the, the cost of ownership is much less so theoretically in practice you can afford more home because you're not your your monthly nut is much smaller and then thirdly another advantage is just the maintenance and and sort of the like relating to the product quality Things, you know, things like insurance and other other dynamics where we think we're going to be able to play in that space sort of post-sale services and both financial and otherwise, we think is actually be really exciting and benefit to to our buyers. Yeah. So Carl, like we zoom we zoom out for a second and think of kind of the the overall factory built housing landscape. Um, this is like access to housing inventory has been a big theme at housing wire this year. Earlier this summer, I had the pleasure of interviewing, um, Robbie Pratt who's the CEO of Haven park on, on this podcast and Haven park strategy entirely different from what you're doing at arrow, but they are, are buying, improving and operating kind of traditional mobile home or manufactured, um, housing communities and, uh, running those. And, uh, in that conversation, can he gave me his, his lay of the land of like how like the factory built landscape looks. And um, I think we're diving today into a, a, an entirely different part of like what factory built could, could mean for housing. But uh, as you launched this venture, I'm sure you did some like market mapping of like the different, the history and like different segments of housing that is being built, um, not stick, still built, stick built, not on site. So I'd love to kind of hear how you think of, like the overall factory built landscape where arrow sits in that. And like, is there an opportunity for arrow to play in different components of this factory build or manufacturer world over, over the long haul, or is this a, a kind of a narrow focus? That's a big question. And it's a great question because 
I think objectively, if you, if you think about how we're going to solve collectively, how the United States, we're going to solve the housing shortages, the housing issues we have, there's, there's going to be a, a, a several different solutions and approaches. And the inefficiency, the time required, the, the waste generated by how stick-built single-family is done, I would argue long-term probably isn't the answer. Uh, will there always be room for that? Of course, um, there, there is. It's a, it, like we said, it's a massive, massive market and opportunity and, and, and problem as well. If you look at some countries, particularly some of the Nordic countries where factory built, you know, productionized housing is 20, 30% plus of, of the home, the single family and, and multifamily home building. We think that model makes a lot of sense. And there's no reason that it couldn't be similar in this country. And there's different kinds of factory built homes, right? There's, there's the, the kind that were developed after World War II that have continued to be a big, big part, whether that's mobile homes or, or what have you. And then there's what we're doing, which is much more of sort of, if you will, the luxury home or higher end of the market. And we're working with you know, world-class architects and using top of the line materials and fabrication and quality. And similar, I think automotive actually has some good analogies here. If you think about it, um, like the, the best cars are the ones built in factories. Yes, you can get a custom car, but I, I'm not sure I'd want the warranty. You know, I'm not sure what kind of warranty you'll get on a custom built car. And there's a reason for that, right? It just, you, you're able to invest, you're able to do the thoughtfulness on, on a design when you're doing that design over and over again and building it over and over again in a much different way than when it's a one-off, when it's a prototype. And those advantages, and again, we're in the early days of this, right? We're, we, we see eventually being able to go into multifamily, uh, less, less expensive, more affordable housing. And we, we will be successful. And depending on how successful we are, you know, we may be a meaningful part of the market. But even if we're wildly successful, we will be a tiny part of the, of the market and the solution. So one of the things we think about actually all the time is, Hey, if we can, for us five, 10 years from now, if we can help move the needle on the industry, like show what's possible, inspire or inform people to do similar or things that build off of what we've done, that'll be, we'll, we'll be incredibly grateful for, for that opportunity, right? Cause it's no one person's, no one company, no one person, no one approach is going to solve this. Yeah. And you're operating in a time and in a intersection of, of multiple tailwinds. So like we have this national inventory shortage, which our lead analyst at housing wire, Logan Motoshami continuously, continuously reminds us that we're savagely unhealthy and he's a uh, primarily pointing at inventory and affordability issues. We're also operating at a, um, a time when there is some uh, state, local, and national regulatory spotlights on, um, on environmental sustainability. And uh, you know, that's, a, that's another tailwind for, for Arrow. Um, and there's also the consumer interest in being more environmentally friendly. And so as you think about like those multiple tailwinds, how do you like market the 
the product in in market like do you like are people going to be proud to own an arrow home or like how did how how does the homeowner eventually feel about the the four walls that that they call home yeah that's that's something we're we're very excited about finding out um the best proxy we've had so far is our realtor partners who are arguably the ones who know the market better than anybody because they talk to buyers and sellers they, they work with them day in day out and they hear what they like and what they don't like uh, about the homes they buy, the homes they want to buy, et cetera. And the feedback we've gotten from them so far, and they've actually helped with some of the nuances of our design and, and layout has been really, really strong. So using the data and the inputs we've gotten so far, we're, we're very confident that the first families who live in our homes will be really, really happy and satisfied. And as I mentioned, you know, net promoter score will be our single most important metric. Um, how, how likely are those people to tell their friends and families that they should run out and <laughs> run out and buy an arrow home. Uh, if only it was that simple, <laughs> but that's, that's ultimately, you know, what we're going to do and being able to walk through the house with that family, that home with them and with our designers and engineers and say, Hey, tell us what you like most about this home. Tell us what you use most. Tell us what we could have done differently or better for you. Like we can do that and take that learning and then build it into the next rev of our design. And that's, again, again, that's that sort of productization of housing philosophy that, that we're trying to, to, um, to develop and bring to market. So we'll know, we'll know in September and we'd love to have a follow up and, and who knows, maybe you can get the homeowner on one of your podcasts and see what they think. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. We'll look into it. So, as as we kind of bring our our conversation to a close, Carl, we we know that building a business is challenging, and even more challenging when you're when you're creating a category. So, as you look forward to the next three months before you bring this first property to market, and maybe look out another three years, what are the big hurdles and chasms that you're like most concerned about crossing? Like what has to get done for, for this venture and the business to be a win? Yeah. So we're very excited and optimistic in large part because the things we thought were going to be challenges have mostly been challenges. There haven't been a ton of surprises and some of the things that we thought were going to be real challenges, for instance, working with PG&E, famously difficult to work with in, in California, um, has actually, we've been able to find solutions with the regular, the local regulators, the electric companies and other people. So we've actually, some of the challenges we anticipated haven't been as, as significant as, as we were expecting. And, and there's other things that we did anticipated being easier than they are as, as is normal with any early stage enterprise. The, the biggest challenge for us is going to be, it's just basic execution. You know, we, we know we have a sound strategy. We know there is demand for our product. We know there's massive efficiencies to be generated in how things are done today and relative how we're doing it already. We just, we're knee deep in opportunity, um, frankly. And so building uh, a muscle to execute consistently and well. One of our, our values internally is this idea of continuous improvement and raising the bar consistently. And that's something we all take very seriously. And the beautiful thing about this, this industry is we have a lifetime worth of opportunity because it's so big, because it affects so many parts of the economy and people's lives. 
it's just massive opportunity and it will come down to as many things, but execution. So we have no doubt about, you know, market fit, market size. The market size is, is an even our small slice is enormous. So we think that over the next two or three years, that's what we're going to be focused on is proving out our model, scaling it, building in those efficiencies, making it really attractive um, for, for investors and for consumers. And right now, knock on wood, we don't see anything that is, that is sort of insurmountable in any way or major headwinds. Well, the numbers we've seen from home, home builders so far in 2023 have been pretty positive. So you're surrounded with a pretty nice, um, comp set of folks that are, uh, finding margin and finding growth in this, um, otherwise challenging housing market. Carl, thank you so much for joining me today. Really interesting to learn more about what you and your team are building at Arrow. And I'm excited to see the first few homes come to market later in 2023. Thanks so much. Really excited to be able to share what we're doing. All right. Housing news. Listeners, I am on today. I want to bring you a little special segment that I'm recording with Brenda Nath, our director of events at HW Media. Brenda, welcome to Housing News. Oh, I'm excited to be here and talk about this. So we are here to talk about Housing Wire Annual, a really special event that we actually launched like during COVID as a virtual event. And the last three years have brought it to the main stage as an in-person event meant to bring together executives and leaders across the housing finance, mortgage, and real estate sector. Brenna, does that sound about right to you? That sounds about right. Um, I know we've used the tagline, all things housing over the years, and it just continues to stay true as we bring together um, leaders that we connect with throughout the year into one space to connect, to strategize, to And I know it's, I mean, we've been using this word a lot, but it's almost like I'd like to create authentic moments is my new word of choice to describe these impactful moments, like authentic moments that you can take back with you. Yeah, exactly. And I, one reason we're recording this segment, Brenna, is I think we've heard some questions in the industry of like, who's this event for? What, what's it about? What are the goals? What do I get out of it? And I want to bring some of that information to light for our audience. And like, I want to start with the fact sharing that housing wire annual is housing wires, mortgage finance event. And we invite leaders from across the housing ecosystem. So we want leaders from mortgage origination and servicing and capital markets, but we also bring in leaders from real estate who are partnering with mortgage lenders to finance the sale of homes or potentially even leading their own JVs or affiliate agreements inside of their real estate brokerages, as well as title valuation and technology partners who are enabling an effective and efficient mortgage ecosystem. So like this is our mortgage event, the content, the sessions, they are built around mortgage finance and the housing market information that leaders need to make decisions in their businesses. I'm just jumping off of probably this is a great time for this, uh, our chat, because I think I got off 10 plus planning calls this week already. Um, and two things that continuously came up on these conversations is wanting to know what everyone else is doing to make sure that, you know, getting a pulse on the industry uh, from whether how they're using technology, how are they diving into their partnerships? How are they partnering with home builders? How are they getting in the door with real estate agents? There's a lot of um, 
discussions on those things and then we're bringing those people together so as you know clayton just said i'll I created a long bullet point list here. I'll only name a few of them, but you have people like Frank Martel, CEO of Lone Depot, Amory Wooden, who's the CMO of Anywhere Brands, Baron Silverstein, the president over at New Res, uh, the CEO at Thrive Mortgage, and I'm, now I'll just go to names. So CEO Princeton, CMO of CoreLogic, CSO of New FM Lending, just really good names that are going to be able to address those burning questions. Yeah, and so this isn't an event where we get on stage and, and talk about the problems. It's an event where we get on stage and talk about the tactics and strategies that are working. Our speakers are tasked and guided and coached to bring their true expertise to the stage and give us a glimpse into what is working and in some scenarios, what is not working in their businesses. So we have a full expectation that the folks that invest their time in money to attend Housing Wire Annual which is on October 10th through 12th in Austin, Texas, that they leave the event, not just with a few ideas. I've heard that like phrase a hundred times. We just want you to leave with one actionable idea. No, we want you to leave with a viewpoint of how you formulate your strategy to make your mortgage origination business more successful, to make your servicing operations more efficient and to help access liquidity through your capital market solutions. And if you're a real estate professional, we want you to understand how creative effective mortgage partnerships or business lines will help your agents and partners sell more homes and uh that's what this is all about if the mortgage industry if the real estate industry operates as efficiently as possible we will help put more consumers in homes and we will get through this market that has just been kind of starved for inventory and and, and kind of got a whiplash from incredibly fast changes in the rate environment. And we're not gonna go on stage and just talk about those challenging dynamics. We're gonna bring solutions and share with you what the leaders are actually doing to win market share. And Brenna, I, I have a feeling the topic of market share has come up on more than a few of your pre-calls as you've worked with our speakers to get ready for this incredible event. We have, you know, the top purchase originator coming to the event and a theme with him and a couple others is um, we use the word growth a lot, but uh, it's almost there is a market share out there to take. And if you go out there and look for the business, it's there. There's a reason that it's a mindset. It's how they're structuring their day. It's how they're building their strategy that's creating this almost winning battlefield mindset for growth. And that's what I'm continuously hearing across the board from the leaders that we're talking to. Yeah, so we're bringing mindset into professional content. It's not going to be the rah-rah mindset stuff, but it is going to be where lender, lending leaders and real estate leaders need to focus their energy and you know put on the blinders to focus on uh, on what's necessary for success instead of stressing about what's going wrong and, and where you're seeing headwinds. On top of that, so this is the content, Brenna. We talked about the okay. content a lot so far. Let's talk about community. Who do you expect to see at this event and what do they get out of being at Housing Wire Annual? The wording I've been using is your your rising star and higher and the people who aspire to like be and have those titles. So, you know, the marketing leaders, the finance leaders, the women of influence in the space, the vanguards, all of those who are, you know, coming together into one room. And then the action item, I know Clayton just said, we uh, everyone's talking about that one action item, but something I would say that a lot of these leaders are talking about is when you're in the room with each other, it's actually connecting with them connecting with them on LinkedIn, creating a game plan when you go to these events and saying, these are the five leaders that I want to connect with because we're creating this space for you. And then it's on you to take all the names that are in there and say, this is how I'm going to build 
um, connections and relationships from here. So that's kind of the people we're going for along with, you know, a lot of the team members of these leaders at the event. Can I share with you a little story? So I was, um, I was at Neil Dingra's forward event recently in Las Vegas and I was speaking with Arjun Dingra, um, Neil, Neil's brother, and like they do some incredible content and some like, just like building really great origination businesses. And Arjun was talking about the difference between forward and what we do at HWA. And I loved what he said about HWA. He said, this is the event that your boss attends. Like if you want to spend time with the CEO of your mortgage origination business, if you want to better understand the rest of the loan ecosystem outside of like what happens after a loan's originated, like this is the place to be. That's what I'm building for, Brenna. I want this to be the event where the CEOs of independent mortgage banks and the leaders of mortgage businesses inside of depositories and the leaders of secondary and servicing desks come to build business strategies, build partnerships and help the industry build a more efficient mortgage ecosystem. Last year has been tough. We are all going to get better and we're going to get better together. I'm personally excited about spending time with the leaders that are actually gaining market share. Like I ain't got time to spend time with the um, the folks that are uh, washing out and not going to win in this market. Like we are inviting the people who are going to win. So real quick, that's why we're bringing this little segment to you, our housing news audience. We've done audience analytics and the folks that listen to the show. We know who the listeners are and you're the executives, you're the leaders that lead the housing market forward. So we want you to join us at Housing Wire Annual this year, October 10th or 12th in Austin, Texas at the Hyatt Lost Pines Resort. So Clayton and I were chatting right before we jumped on this. And as he just said, we did the analytics, we ran the numbers and really the the housing news audience and the engaged listeners that we have here, you guys, we wanted to do something special for. So I asked Clayton if he'd be open to receiving as many DMs as possible. He has some special discount pricing for you guys. So feel free to reach out to him. I'm on Instagram at housing Clayton. If you DM me and you want to attend HWA, we will send you a special podcast promo code to join us. Or you can send me a message on LinkedIn, Clayton Collins, CEO at HW Media. I think most of you know where to find me. And we're going to do some special stuff at this event. And I want you to be part of it, our housing news audience. Now, I know we covered a lot of information here. If you want to dig in deeper to how to register, who are the other speakers, what are the networking opportunities that we built, um, Pickleball is one of those. You can go to housingwireannual.com. Um, it will give you all the information there. And then once again, it's just from October the 10th through the 12th in Austin, Texas at the Hyatt Lost Pine. So reserve your spot now. And also just thank you, Clayton, for letting me come on here and talk about it. Thank you so much for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please take a few seconds to rate Housing News on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot for the show, and we really do appreciate and listen to your feedback. Also, we're gearing up for Housing Wire Annual in October. Please visit housingwire.com forward slash events for full details about our big annual event in Austin, Texas.